0: hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the you're so quiet podcast as always i am your host chelsea brown or c brown in my writing life introvert extraordinaire maybe your favorite introvert i don't know i'm not gonna put those words in your mouth or anything but i would take it either way Before we jump in, let's just do a quick mental health check. I know this is something that I don't do for myself enough, so let's just do it together. Okay? How are you feeling? Like, really, how are you feeling? Not, oh, I'm fine. No, really. Just be honest with yourself. You don't have to say anything out loud, but just acknowledge what you're really feeling. Are you sad? Stressed? Anxious? Happy? content. Whatever it is, it's okay to feel how you're feeling. I personally am doing just okay. Not great, but I'm not I'm not bad either. I feel like I'm slowly becoming more productive with my writing and just in general with my life, getting my life back together. So that's that's always a good thing. I'm getting re-excited for my horror book which is giving me some really terrible nightmares, but actually turning into some great writing. My knee is still a mystery, in case anyone was wondering. The MRI showed nothing, apparently. So my doctor was just like, well, go to physical therapy and take this medicine. And maybe this is like a common thing, but I've had sports injuries before. Uh, I should have had surgery at the time. I didn't. I went to physical therapy and now I don't have as much range of motion in my hip as I should. So I kind of just want to avoid doing that again, but whatever. So maybe I'll seek a second opinion. Who knows? But until then, I'm going to ease back into my exercise routine as tolerated. I'm not going to do anything if my knee is excruciatingly painful, but I'm going to start running again. I plan to do a treadmill workout today, and I'm actually very excited. And I also played tennis just this past weekend, and I have a compression brace that seemed to help pretty well. It didn't get too, too swollen or too painful. The next day was a little tender, but whatever. I'm not going to keep not doing anything because it really does seem to take a toll on me. My mood is just, it's not great. And for me, exercise always helps me feel better. So I'm going to start doing that and we'll see what happens. As far as my media consumption, I finally finished The Shining. You guys, it is barely like the movie. It's like loosely based on the movie, or I guess the movie is loosely based on the book. Same characters, same setting, so much more backstory, and the events in the story are so different. I don't want to like spoil it for anyone who hasn't read the book, because for me it's a completely different experience in the movie. The movie I wasn't actually a huge fan of, to be perfectly honest with you, and that's why I never read the book. But since i'm reading a lot i figured why not and i'm so glad i did but that being said i, w- I kind of want to rewatch the movie just to make sure i'm not like making it up that it's it's so different it's so different i don't i don't know how they got from the book to the movie who knows i i guess it's it would be kind of hard to portray the character's inner thoughts on a screen, which is really what the book focused on. It's like the inner thoughts of the three main characters, the husband, the wife, and their child. So that's, I mean, they probably just did the best that they could, but in my opinion, the book is so much better. It's around 600 pages, so it's not like a small endeavor, but it is well worth it, in my opinion. I also started reading 56 Days by Katherine Ryan Howard. It's a suspense fiction based at the beginning of the pandemic lockdown. And to be honest with you, I kind of thought I would hate it. I I hate when a TV show is like, oh, we're going to do pandemic theme this season because we're all going through a pandemic. Like, no, I don't watch this show so I can deal with the problems of my real life, okay? However, it's like a murder mystery it is so good. I'm like 75% through and there's been a major twist. I I love it. The middle, like 50% to 75% was a little slow. I actually almost put it down. But at 75%, I was so glad that I just kept going because this twist was completely out of left field, but I love it. So definitely recommend that one if you're looking for a murder mystery, which is apparently what I read almost exclusively now. (laughs) I am also watching Love Island UK and Love Island US. I finished Love Island US just this week. And in case you haven't finished it, I know it's like 50 some odd episodes. I'm not going to tell you who won. But I will say that I was pretty disappointed myself in in who America voted for, but, you know, everyone has their own opinion, I guess. That being said, I still like the UK version better. I think the characters, well, characters, they're actually real people. I think the people are much more likable, and they're people that I would actually want to hang out with. Whereas the U.S. people, in in my opinion, and this could be completely wrong, but it just comes off to me like a lot of them are there for, like, the social media fame kind of stuff. And that's, that's not my jam, personally. So, I don't know. In any case, I love a good competition TV show. I watch them with my husband all the time. It's our bonding time. So, we watch Lego Masters. We watch... Glow Up on Netflix. We watch Ink Master. I mean, any Nailed It. I'm so excited for the new season of Nailed It coming out this month. So I love a good competition show. Could I do any of these things? Can I create a Lego contraption? No. Can I apply makeup to another person, let alone myself? No. But I can totally judge the people from the couch while eating salt and vinegar chips and That's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm also really excited for the second season of C to come out on Apple TV Plus, and Ted Lasso is really hitting the spot. It's so wholesome. I wish I knew him in real life. He's so nice, but also a complex character. So I'm really liking the character development and I'm interested to see what they do with the rest of the season. In maybe exciting for you writing news, exciting for me. I am interviewing editors for my finished science fiction book. You might recall that I said I was submitting it to agents, and now I'm finding an editor. So maybe it seems a little bit out of order, and that's because it is. But more on that in a second, because we will be talking about writer's block and rejection as an author this week. (laughs) Okay, as I said before the break, I'm interviewing editors for my finished science fiction book. And that comes after having been rejected more than a dozen times by agents. And like a dozen might not seem like a lot, but for me, um, you, maybe you've noticed. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very like insecure, I guess. So getting that those rejections over and over and they're like form rejection, it's so frustrating. But it's, it's a necessary evil if you want to be traditionally published, which I do. So first, let's break down the process of getting traditionally published. You obviously have to write the book first in full. You have to edit the book with various editors, with a critique group. Anything that you can really get your hands on is, is very helpful. You then have to submit to agents and an agent might ask for a partial sample of your manuscript or a full sample and then they'll go through and kind of see if this is the kind of book they're able to sell and if so then you'll have a contract with that agent and then after you have an agent they might send you to editors again and then after that your agent will submit your manuscript to different publishers And a lot of times publishers will not accept manuscripts that are unagented. So major publishing houses, you're thinking like Simon & Schuster or Penguin Random House, those will not 99.9% of the time accept unagented manuscripts. So if you want to be published by them, you're going to need an agent. And then a publisher or multiple publishers will want it and will come to your agent with a deal for you. And that deal might include an advance, it might include royalties, it really just depends on the particular contract, and your agent will be able to work with you and work with the publisher to define and decide what is a good contract for you. Self-publishing, which I've done before, looks a lot different. You're kind of your own agent, your own publicist, and there's far less rejection in in that aspect. You're not told no a bunch of times before you see your book in print. So for example, with Kindle publishing, you upload and format your stuff, submit, and it's live in like 24 hours. It's quick and easy. It's actually a lot easier than I think people realize that it is. That being said, it's not... I wouldn't say that self-publishing is in any way less than traditional publishing. A lot of writers prefer to self-publish because sometimes it's it ends up being more financially lucrative. And you actually get full control over your book. So even though an agent says, yes, I'm able to sell this, they take it to publishers. A publisher might want it. they might want it differently than it's presented and sometimes your creative vision kind of goes out the window so that's something that you kind of have to to realize and take note of when you decide you want to be traditionally published all that being said i've seen writers a lot of writers that i know personally just self-publish quote unquote because of rejection from agents i say just Not because there's anything wrong with self-publishing. I say just because the self-publish is not like a conscious decision. Like, okay, I want to do this so I have more creative control. I want to have full control over like what my cover looks like. I want to just put this out myself and I, I want to do it now and not have to wait for the publishing schedule that might have me publishing in two years or more. So, again, self-publishing is not worse. I I think they're both respectable options. But I do think that self-publishing in reaction to rejection is settling. And this is something that, I mean, it could be an author-to-author basis. So I've seen and talked to some authors who after they submitted, maybe they got some feedback from agents saying that the market just isn't, it isn't right for their book right now, but this author wants to put their book out ASAP. So they're like, okay, well, I'll just self-publish. And it's not necessarily that the book won't sell. It's just that the agent doesn't believe that publishers are looking for this type of book. And maybe you've noticed that Books kind of go in waves, like like genres and what's most popular kind of goes in waves. So I remember, I think it was like five years back, that retelling of fairy tales was just all the rage and you could not walk five feet in a bookstore without running into one or more of these types of stories. So self-publishing because of information that you have and you think it might be a better fit for you, totally fine. In my opinion, self-publishing, just because some people told you no and you're tired of people telling you no, that to me is, is settling and it is something that we're going to talk about today. So, there's no really, like, nice way to say this, so I'm just going to say it. Rejection is part of being a writer, Period. No matter if you're writing fiction or client articles or journals or magazines, rejection is going to happen. You might have a client send back an article to you and say, no, I don't really like this. Let's change it. It's not personal. It's just like, hey, I want you to write about this. So write about this with clients. With fiction, I know that it feels personal, because it does feel personal to me as well. Because as a fiction writer, it's all made up, right? It's science fiction. It's, It's certainly not something that happens in real life. But I think, I know that I do this. I'm sure other authors do this. There's like little pieces of me in every book that I write. So it is personal. And I don't think that I can write in a way that that isn't personal because, to be perfectly honest with you, I feel like my writing is so good when I'm really digging deep like that. So when it's rejected, it hurts like like a lot. But it isn't personal. Just because it feels personal doesn't mean that it is. It's not that I as a person suck and it's not even that my writing sucks. It's just that my writing this particular moment is not working for that agent that I submitted to. Period. So, for me, this all started when I finished the third draft of my science fiction book. I finished the first draft at the end of 2019 and I finished the third draft. I drafted it twice in 2020 and finished that at the end of 2020. So the beginning of 2021, I was pumped and psyched and ready to submit to agents because I was certain that in moments, I would have a book deal. And like, realistically, I know that's not how it works at all. Not even close. But I was so excited, right? So I wrote my query letter. I wrote my synopsis, my blurb, my one sentence hook. I wrote everything. I Edited it, and I was just ready. I was like, okay, this is my moment. I got this. So I submitted to a bunch of agents that I had researched throughout 2020. I participated in PitMad, which is a thing on Twitter where agents will look through pitches that are hashtagged with PitMad. And if they like your tweet, then you send them a query because that like is them indicating that they're interested in your pitch. So I participated in that and I did all the things and I got absolutely nothing but rejections or crickets in the case of PitMat on Twitter. So I put that manuscript aside for a couple months. I knew that I needed perspective because I believe in this story I think it's a great story. It's a story that I would want to read. But there's something missing, clearly, right? I don't know if it's my writing. I don't know if it's the story needs to be tweaked. I don't know if maybe I'm just not checking a box that agents are looking for. Maybe my query letter needs some work. It literally could be anything. But I I know that I need to do everything I can do to put my best foot forward. And in truth, I kind of skipped a step. I submitted to agents before I hired an editor. I still haven't hired an editor, by the way. (laughs) I'm working on that this week. I was naive, right? I thought that I wrote this book. I edited it with my peers couple times it's on its third draft I think it's quite clean so I thought okay an agent will pick it up and they'll have an editor that they want to use so why am I going to pay for this twice right I mean it seemed it seemed legitimate at the time and even saying it now I'm like yeah that kind of makes sense but an editor is not just for punctuation or sentence structure An editor can also help you with your story flow. It can help you make sure your opening is as hooky as it needs to be, like it has a really good hook. They can tell you if you have subplots that have just gone off the rails. They can tell you all sorts of stuff. So what I'm hiring for right at this very moment is a developmental editor who's going to do those things that I just described. They're going to go through my manuscript and make sure the plot itself is solid and from there i can do copy editing and i can do line editing but when i submit this manuscript to agents again and they have this little query manager it's going to ask have you submitted before and if so what changed and i'm going to tell them that i ran this book through x amount of editors or x amount of edits with a professional editor, I did a developmental edit, I did a line edit, I did a copy edit, I did all of these things to make sure that my book is ready for you. And at the very least, this will be the best that my manuscript has looked, and it is my best foot forward, right? And so I actually came to the conclusion that I needed to hire an editor when i took that perspective that that time away from the manuscript as much as i thought that an agent would want my manuscript to go through their editor potentially at an additional cost that still might be true however it's actually easier for an agent to be fully behind a book that's ready to go right i've already done the developmental edit the line edits the copy edits this thing is completely clean so I've done everything that I can to get this thing ready to publish. So when the agent is submitting it to publishers, it's not like with a grain of salt, like, oh yeah, by the way, we still need to run this through editors. Like, no, this is it. Look at this. Tell me if you like it kind of thing. So I learned my lesson. This is all a learning experience for me. I've never done traditional publishing before. So I'm not, I'm not really beating myself up too much about that. Just took me some time to get there. Totally okay to make mistakes and correct and move forward. So now I'm interviewing editors and they're getting me their samples this week and then I'll be able to make a decision on who I want to work with. But all that being said, don't get me wrong. Having been rejected so much is really hard. And as much as we know it's not personal, it feels personal. At the end of the day, writing is art, as much as painting or drawing. So these people are looking at my art and saying, ugh, no thanks. (laughs) Maybe not that exactly, but that's how it feels. So while I was gaining some perspective on my science fiction book, I kind of hit a wall with writing my horror book. Which brings us to the dreaded writer's block. I know I've talked about this before on the pod, but I don't know if people realize how common it is. Writer's block is usually in response to fear or frustration or self-doubt. Maybe I'm afraid of other people reading my work. They say that the best way to write is as though no one else is going to read it. And like, that's cute, but I know that other people are going to read this. That's my goal. My goal is to get this published. And I can't unknow that. I might be frustrated with how my story is going. Maybe I'm just kind of stuck. I don't really know where to take it or where I want to go. And maybe I'm just frustrated in general with the rejections that I'm getting on a previous book. And then of course, self-doubt. I struggle with this a lot. Like a lot, a lot. I'm wondering, as I'm getting all these rejections, I started out so hopeful and so optimistic. And then I'm getting rejection after rejection after rejection. I'm like, oh my gosh, um, do I actually suck at this? Am I crazy for thinking that this could be my career? Am I? (laughs) The thing is that you kind of have to be your own biggest cheerleader. And to be perfectly honest, no one knows you the way that you know you. We all have this kind of hidden part of our personality that we don't really show anyone else. I don't really show people how how insecure I am about my writing, especially. Like, oh my God, like, do they like it? Do they like it? And I'm, I'm like trying to hold that in. But I know this about myself. And if you look inward, I think there are pieces of yourself that you don't show anyone else. And oftentimes, those little pieces are the vulnerable pieces that are holding us back. So I need to be my biggest cheerleader. You need to tell yourself that you can do this. Okay? Okay. So I'm pursuing this traditional publishing in spite of the rejections, in spite of my self-doubt, I'm telling myself that I can do it. But why am I putting myself through this? I believe firmly that traditional publishing could broaden my career much more than I could do on my own. And I'll tell you why. With traditional publishing, there comes a team. You have your editors, you have your agents, you have your publishers at the the bare minimum, right? You might also have a marketing team, you might also have a publicist, okay? All of these people have probably forgotten more things about their area of expertise than I will ever know. I don't think it is important to be the smartest person in the room. I think it's important to work with people who can make you successful, people that you can work together with and find success together. So for example, I really suck at self-promotion. It just makes me feel kind of gross. But a marketing professional or a publicist would not have that same kind of attachment to my like self-image or pride or whatever that I do. They're like, okay, well, this is my job. And these are the things that I'm going to post on social media. These are the things that I'm going to put together for your marketing packet. And we're just going to go forward with this. Those people can help me be more successful than I could be on my own. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with building a team around you of people who are good at stuff that you're not good at. I feel no desire to be like a jack of all trades. I know that I'm good at writing. So I'm going to do the writing. And for all the other stuff that I'm not very good at or other people are better at than me, I'm going to seek their expertise. That's my opinion, okay? Now, while I'm pursuing traditional publishing, there are always people around me. And not even necessarily always people that I know. You got the people jumping into the DMs to to give you their opinion, which is so awesome. <laughs> Love that. Love that for me. And the DMs or the comments from people in my life are centering around the fact that they believe I can't do this, that they believe I should just self-publish because traditional publishing isn't going to work for me. I can't, oh. I can't describe to you how frustrating that is for me to hear, right? So with people I don't really know, it, it stings. It does. But when Other people in my life are telling me, you can't do this. It does motivate me, right, to some extent. I have a desire to prove myself and to prove other people wrong. How can you try to tell me that I'm too ambitious? I can't do this because it's too big of a goal. How is you telling me that I'm too ambitious, productive, Any sense of the word. I try to assume best intent. I try to. And I think, you know what, maybe they think that they're helping me and they're saving me from heartache and just making my life generally easier because I won't continue to fail at this big goal that I have. But then there's another side of me That's not, It doesn't have the patience for that. Even if you're trying to help, how would you feel if someone said that to you? Right? If you have a goal to run a marathon and your best friend comes to you and is like, you're trying to run a marathon? You can't do that. But there's like a 5k coming up. You could probably do that. Dude, that sucks. Why would you say that to somebody? From a writer's perspective, from my perspective, rejection is just a fact of life. I am going to be rejected a bunch of times. So many times. But should I change my goal because it's hard? Absolutely not. I think it's important to have goals that make you push as hard as you possibly can and still fall a little short. And when you finally pushed as hard as you can and you make it that's when you have to make another goal and maybe for some people that's exhausting but for me that's exciting I like to have really big audacious goals I want to be traditionally published and maybe it's pride I don't really care what it is that is my goal and that's what I'm reaching for And frankly, anyone that's not here to support me can just carry on along and keep your DMs to yourself, okay? I don't think that I should move the finish line for myself just because it gets hard. I should change my tactic, certainly, right? I got rejected by a bunch of agents. I'm like, okay, well, I kind of skipped the step of getting an editor, so how about I fix that? And then try again. I'm taking a seminar on how to write a really good query letter. Right? I'm trying to change my tactic. Trying to learn as much as I possibly can to be as successful as I can. But I will be damned if rejection is going to stop me. So this is my message to you. Okay? We're all going to face rejection no matter what line of work you're in. If you're a writer, if you work in retail, whatever. Doesn't matter. Whatever your line of work, whatever even your passion projects are, we're all going to face rejection. I challenge you to keep your goals. Even after you're rejected, don't settle for what people think that you can do prove to them that your goal was not too ambitious. You just needed to work a little bit harder to get there. And I think that people seeing you fail and still push and then fail and then try again and then fail and then finally succeed, I think that that's going to inspire some people around you. Because I wonder if... The people around you who are telling you just to run the 5k instead of the marathon. I wonder if that's a reflection on themselves and maybe they think they can't do it. So why don't you just show the people in your life that you can do it in spite of the rejection. The rejection letters show you that you try. And the only failure is not trying at all. And so, on that note, we are about at the end of our time together. I love to end with a rant, as always. So, I'll see you guys in a couple of Tuesdays. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Wright C. Brown, W-R-I-T-E C. Brown, or follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Your So Quiet Pod, Y-O-U-R-E So Quiet Pod. You can also visit my blog and website at cbrownauthor.com, and as always, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, whatever you can think of to help out your certainly favorite introvert. Okay, until next time.